I was just going to say we just saw that Terrence Marshall goes to uh, Carolina. Um, we're going to have to ask Matt, Matt Waldman about that. So you've got Robbie Anderson. You've got DJ Moore. You've got Sam Darnold. Um, you got Robbie – both Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall can take the top off the defense. So, As a matter of fact, so can DJ Moore if you need him to. It's going to be a question of, of whether or not Sam Darnold can bring it all together. I, I'm still surprised. I'll say – I'll keep saying this. Out of all the teams that passed on Justin Fields – I am most surprised that uh, Carolina did. You got an, an aggressive billion, the richest owner uh, uh, in the NFL owns the, the Carolina Panthers, head fund guy. You got an aggressive head coach coming from Baylor and Matt Rule. I mean, we've seen we've seen the Cardinals, we've seen it's not we've seen the Jets, we've seen multiple teams take quarterbacks back to back to just to have safety at that position. And um, here, you know, here it is. We've got. Uh, Carolina putting all of their eggs in the Sam Darnold backs basket when Justin Fields was sitting right there. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And Chris Moxley, I see you shaking your head. Talk to me. No, I, it was brutal when we passed on, on Fields last night. I, re, I really wanted to see it. And I like J.C. Horn. You know, J.C. Horn and I both went to South Carolina. We went to the same high school even. He's now playing for my, my NFL team. Really cool story. Love J.C. Horn. But man, I I they gotta have a lot of faith in Sam Darnold. And maybe maybe Joe Brady is the quarterback whisperer and he he did what he did for Burrow uh his last year at LSU and he just whispers some sweet nothings to Sam Darnold and we're in a beautiful shape. But it was it was tough to see us pass on fields like that. Not I mean, I lot. think I think Brady, I I do think he can do that. I mean, regard I don't know NFL wise, but if you look at it, Teddy Bridgewater and that offense had a good fantasy year last year. Like Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> wasn't horrible, and he produced three top twenty five wide receivers. So I mean, they had a good offense. Again, I was just I don't want to say tr- I was just talking about how I didn't think Terrace Marshall was going to get second round draft capital. It just happens. He goes to your Carolina Panthers. But what does that One mean for him? Because later. I would say I think DJ Moore is the better wide receiver. And now, so you've got him. Does Moore move into the slot, do you think? It puts Marshall and, and Anderson on the outside. Does Marshall go into the slot? Because the one thing I'll say for Marshall is getting a guy like Brady, who we saw last year was scheming guys open with Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore. This could be a good landing spot for him. No, I I, I think I uh, I think that's a good landing spot for Marshall. Um you know, I'm kind of mixed on how I feel about him, but getting ending up in the second round, given what I think is a medical issue, you know, it's kind of a to be determined sort of thing. But I think uh, I think Sam Darnold's actually downgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. Really, across the board, his stats are worse. But what? You know, it, at, you, Moxley is uh, a known uh, Darnold hater. His adjusted completion percentage is lower. His average target is lower. Uh, his red zone completion percentage is lower. Sam Darnold across the board. Metrics wise, is a worse quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe some of that is Adam Gase, but I he just he Sam Darnold is not who I wanted to see in Carolina. Is all I'll say. But from a Terrace Marshall perspective, I think that's a great fit for him because I think Joe Brady can really um, he's a tie that lifts all ships. I like like you said, Bruning. I think um, we had three very close players to being wide receiver twos. And with Teddy Bridgewater, um, maybe Darnold, maybe Darnold can capture some of that magic he's had at USC and and really put it together. But you know, I think this is a good fit for Marshall. 
I think we see DJ Moore in the same role he probably was last year. Robbie Anderson, short, trying to get him in yak situations using his speed. And maybe Marshall even starts out in the slot. I mean, he played a lot of slot last year. He's very – I think he's maybe 22 or 27 total total outside targets over the course of his career at LSU. So I, it could happen. I don't think that's a bad fit for him. So do you think that Marshall's more likely to be in the slot than DJ Moore? I do. I know you didn't ask me. I, yeah, We're I always that. asking you, Alfred. Yeah. I mean, I think if you watch a lot of his LSU tape, he, he had some of his best plays out of the slot. What's up, Jared? I mean, they used him as a deep threat out of the slot on on soft coverage, and you just couldn't you couldn't guard a six foot four guy who could run four three down the field. But you know, I didn't see. I feel vindicated because he was way down the board compared to where some people had him as like wide receiver friggin' five or something in the class, and I just didn't see it. And I'm not sure he's like a complete X wide receiver. I just I didn't see that myself. Well, let's 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 ask an expert. Um, I see that our next guest has has joined the stream. Uh, our next guest has been providing the most detailed fantasy analysts in the form of the RSP for more than 10 years. He is a senior oh. writer at Football Guys, one of the co-hosts of the Audible. It is my honor. Man, I've wanted to talk to this guy for a very long time. Me too. It's my honor Same. to welcome Matt Waldman to our live coverage from the draft for CampusToCanton.com. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we just saw Terrence Marshall go off the board to Carolina. What are your thoughts about his fit with the team, and can Sam Darnold be the the straw that stirs the drink there? <laughs> that's all. That's a lot right there. But let's just start with Terrence Marshall to begin with. I think it was the best pick of the receivers off the board in the second round um, so far, and there were some pretty good ones off the board, and maybe one head scratcher. But uh, we'll talk about that. Um, but with Marshall. <laughs> Certainly, you have a guy who can play inside and outside. You've got someone who understands how to get open in the middle of the field, make some tough plays. Yeah, you'll hear maybe on some of the the big draft media um, commentary that he dropped some passes last year. But what I liked seeing from him is that when he dropped those passes, oftentimes he came back and didn't drop any more at the end. You know, through the rest of the game. When he got disrupted a little bit, and he could be, he sh- shows that he can take contact. He's skilled after the catch. I mean, he's only going to get better as a route runner. I don't think there's any glaring deficiencies with him where you're going to think he's going to have a tough time figuring out how to be a good route runner in the NFL. It's just a matter of putting in the work and adjusting. Now with Darnold, I think the big issue with him is that quarterback is a, is a confidence position as much as it is a skill position and a conceptual position, and it's one where. If your confidence is shattered by a bad experience, it's difficult to get that back. Now, we're going to find out fairly quickly, probably within the first five to six games, whether Sam Darnold's confidence was shattered or whether it was just a temporary setback. If it is a temporary setback, Marshall is going to be one of is going to be a really nice complement to what you get from you know more. And and then also Anderson, um, because he can roam the middle of the they, you can mix and match all those guys mm-hmm. really with what they do, which is really fantastic. I think it's an upgrade to Curtis Samuel. I know a lot of people love Curtis Samuel, and I certainly like a lot of the skills that he provides, but I think Marshall has the upside to become a better route runner. And they already have 
They need a type who can win some of those contested plays in a way that Moore's gotten better at it, but that was never his game. Samuel was okay at it. People felt like he was underutilized, but I think that his route running was probably a reason why that he worked better in the middle of the field as opposed to getting off the jam. Um, and I think Marshall's going to be able to develop into that kind of guy. And then, of course, you get Anderson and what he was able to do. Matt, you know, you shattered my confidence when I got the RSP on the Friday, right after it came out, and I scroll down to the Zach Wilson section and I read, you know, your analysis on Zach Wilson. His potential saving grace, as you said in the RSP, was if he goes to a wide zone play action scheme. We have to believe that that's what they're going to do uh, with the New York Jets. Michael Floor coming over from from Shanahan and in, in uh, San Francisco and in Cleveland. <laughs> Does your position – he doesn't lack for any confidence, but do you have confidence in him now that he's he's there with the Jets? Well, I mean, we've certainly known that this was likely the pick for the past, you know, four to six weeks. So with that in mind, I think the Jets are better for Zach Wilson than Wilson is better for the Jets if we were to consider all things equal – about these particular players. Um, but with that in mind, while I would have preferred, you know, probably four players, that, you know, who were available to Zach Wilson on the board, um, you know, if you think that this team can build the line up front quick enough and that the, the young wide receivers it has can mature and the inexperienced coaching staff in terms of head coaching experience that Robert Salah arrives in as if all these lack of, you know, all these talents, but inexperienced talents can somehow gel, then yeah, it could happen. But I'm thinking more, this is like a Baker Mayfield redo type of situation where, you know, maybe he starts strong because teams aren't scheming against him. But then when you start looking at what teams will do to start, you know, working to try and prepare and looking at his tape. And then they look at this young team as well. And this team hasn't really been through a lot together and been in the NFL a long time. I have concerns. Like he's not a player I'm recommending to anybody in my post draft for this year. I'm recommending him either as if you are a trade oriented GM in fantasy and you, and you are very good at, at buying low selling high, that type of thing. He might be a nice sell high after the first four to six weeks and maybe a buy low by mid-2022. I can't remember the exact words that you used in the RSP, but I remember that that section was the last line of Zach Wilson's profile. And, you know, that was just really the gut punch. I've been a Zach Wilson fan. Let's let's stay. Let's keep talking about the quarterbacks, Matt. Um, and guys, don't let me dominate the mic. If you guys have questions, you can ask too. But I'm going to ask. So, um, Kyle Shanahan gets Trey Lance. Trey Lance is your second-rated quarterback. Are you going to blink if anyone in, in Superflex Dynasty League says, you know, I'm going to take my chances at the 101 with Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan as opposed to Daryl Bevel and Trevor Lawrence? Nope. When when blinking bat an eye about that at all because I actually think that Lance has, as I mentioned even in April when I wrote this um, profile on Lance, I think he has an opportunity to be the best quarterback in this class when it's all said and done. And he went to the team that Mark Schofield and I basically said would be the perfect fit for him back in July when we first did our analysis of him, and he he is just 
he's used to playing in a West Coast style offense and being able to throw short to deep. Most quarterbacks have to learn how to throw short. I mean, not from an accuracy standpoint, but from a game management standpoint. And the fact that he's already good at being able to go deep off of looking short to deep tells you that he's a little more advanced than people give him credit for. They look at the small school, the one year of production. They see the zero interceptions the first year, and they're like, oh, this is a fluke. This is a guy who played at a small program. He's he's going to get you know face tough NFL defenses that are more complex. Well, every quarterback that comes out, I don't care whether you're in the SEC or the ACC, you're underprepared for what defenses throw at you. And as Mark noted last night that I think is a great point, is that a lot of the runs you see Trey Lance make in pivotal games, pivotal moments in games, were him actually changing the play to benefit the team as opposed to, you know, and you would think of a guy, and this guy can throw the ball. I mean, he has the arm. He has everything you're looking for. This year, I think this year you're probably going to get more out of Trevor Lance. So if you're trying to win this year and the super flex and hoping that you get a quarterback two out of this draft this year, I would take Lawrence because Lawrence is going to be in more garbage time. I think that he has better weapons around him to an extent. The defense is worse than the 49ers. The offensive line has its weaknesses. Whereas, you know, this situation, the 49ers might be playing ahead a lot. Um, with this, and I think with Lance, you may see similar yardage totals than what you saw at North Dakota State. And then he winds up, um, you know, as the years go on, like end of this year, early next year, you start to see an increase in the passing production as he gels with his teammates. But, you know, this offense is designed to run the ball. They can, they, you know, even the passing plays are essentially. As you know, you know they're they're run glorified run plays with Brandon Ayuk and folks like that mm-hmm. in terms of how they do it with Debo and and Ayuk. But I think that you know he and Kittle, oh, that should be a lot of fun. Yes, you know I yes. I think it's going to be amazing. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think he could wind up the best quarterback in this class. You know, in this I, it. I didn't think that there was any way that San Francisco was trading up for Mac Jones, but you meant uh, Mark posted a video i think it was on his twitter or maybe it was on your website just showing um shanahan concepts in north dakota state's scheme and i was like well it's it's trey lance then it's trey lance that they have to be trading up for and uh you didn't mention this but trey your compare your comp for trey lance steve mcnair steve mcnair i love i love that comp i mean steve mcnair has to be one of my Favorite all time all time players. His battles with Ray Lewis between the Titans and the and the Ravens. Um, well, we're we're, me- we're automatically friends then because I have two jerseys and that's it. One is a Steve McNair jersey and the other is a Nick Chubb jersey. So you can you, you just know right like there it. that we're pals like for it. life now. Oh, I'm here for the Steve McNair jersey. That was my uh, family Christmas card one year. I snuck it on. Sweet. Is it is it Titans or Oilers? Oh, oh it's, a, Titans. it's a, Titans. Yeah. Uh, I love those old Oilers jerseys. Uh, it sounds like Alfred was going to ask a question and then he cut out. Al- yeah. Alfred, let he, your internet cut up. Catch uh, up. I'm, am I back? You're yeah. Back. Yep. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. I just wanted to say that I agree with you on Trey Lance. I mean, I tweeted out uh, at some point today or yesterday that, um, you know, why do people think he's so much more of a quote unquote project than like Zach Wilson? I mean, I think they're both projects in different ways. 
uh, you know, like you said, people just see the small school and say, oh, well, he's going to have to marinate for a while. But I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, Zach Wilson has plenty he needs to work on, too. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And I think what happens is this, is that when you're drafting first round most of the time, teams like to look at the resume bullet points. We've all worked out in the real world. And when you work out in the real world and you hire people, oftentimes you're looking at the optics of the decision that you made behind the hiring, you know, and what happens there is in the first round, it's that way. All the media attention is based on the first round pick. So it's, I got started in this industry because listen, I I remember seeing Gil Brandt on NFL.com saying there's a player two inches taller, 10 pounds heavier. If he was, if he was drafted, you know, two inches taller, if he was two inches taller, 10 pounds heavier and drafted at that that size, he would be a top five overall pick. And that player was a a player who got drafted in the second round by the Eagles, Brian Westbrook, who had two mm-hmm. ACL tears, went to Villanova, lost his FSU scholarship. And none of those tears happened on the field. And of course, it was all about optics. Mm-hmm. This guy was a first round talent, but they knew if they failed on him, they'd go, why'd you draft a, why'd you draft a guy with this whole bullet point history on his resume of two injuries and undersized under, you know, maybe not the top speed, you know, compared to the 230 pound guy who, you know, went to FSU or went to, or the 215 pound guy who went to, you know, Arkansas and had all these, you know, great stats, but, you know, needs directions to stop for directions to find the hole. I mean, it's like, this is, this is what happens. And I think that when we look at a guy like Trey Lance, teams are like, well, the risk factor, you know, they, You know, and I think the fact that John Lynch, you know, his let's say his hind parts don't pucker at the idea that he's going to have to worry (laughs) about what people say about his, you know, about his picks because he played football and understands, you know, what it means to be a football player as well as like how to pick football talent. I think it's the great, you know, he obviously looked at Lance as like, I'm not worried about that crap. In fact, I had an NFL person or a guy who's worked with a number of NFL teams and is out of the league now, but he's been an RSP subscriber for probably about 10 years. Um, He wrote me when that pick came and he goes, he goes, I was laughing so hard for all these weeks that people had bought, the media had bought into the 49ers picking Mac Jones. And he's like, he said, literally, he goes, the, he goes, I'm sure there was somebody in that facility who's getting a raise for leaking that and everyone <laughs> keeping a poker face for not saying anything else. Let, let me sell the RSP here. Every year it is a book. It is the most detailed draft, fantasy draft relevant book that you could pu- pu- uh, purchase. This year, uh, 1,053 pages. And it's not like Matt is like doing a college essay where he's got to meet the meet the the word the page requirement and he's trying to you know uh have 15 point font that is not what this is this is the most comprehensive guide that you can buy um I, Matt I've been a fan of yours for a long time and I bought the RSP Thank for you. the last two two years and usually you know I scroll to the to the players like I did this year it, you know Ramondre Stevenson Zach Wilson Elijah Moore just to see all right what is what does Matt think about the guys <laughs> the guys that I like um and, and very inexpensive. Go to Matt Waldman RSP. Speaking of which, Matt, your process for drafting the RSP each year is you go into a shell. You're not listening to what other people have to say about players. Your number one running back, you, you mentioned Brian Westbrook. 
Your number one running back is also a player who had the road less traveled, transferred from Oklahoma to Ohio State. Uh, didn't even really start this, the, didn't begin the season as the starter, finished the season really strong in Trey Sermon. He's still on the board, unless I missed something. He's still on the board. Tell us what you like about Trey Sermon, and is there a, a spot where you want to see him land? I can tell you right now, I'd love to see him in Atlanta because I think he could run in that that kind of spread um, yeah. field type of system <clears throat> that has some of the wide zone things that they can do. He could be the load carrier for that team eventually. What I love about Trey Sermon, it's the same concept, is that teams want multiple years of strong production. He went to two really good schools. He didn't lose his starting job at Oklahoma. He just was always paired with good backs, just in the same way that all the Miami backs from the 90s and early 2000s were paired with each other. All the Georgia backs were co-starting with each other in recent years. Um, You know, it's one of those things that... People sometimes get down on players because of that lack of production. When you look at his tape, what you see is a runner who is extremely efficient with his movement. He understands how not only to make people miss, but he can do it in an efficient way where he either bends around people um, using a type of movement where he kind of curls around at high speed that Dalvin Cook does extremely well. It's called curvilinear movement, and he does a really good job with that. He's also someone that can make the hard cuts and make people miss. Um, when I, I track players and one of the things, or I track certain types of data and one of the things that I track from the film that I started doing this year is the type of tackles that running backs break or avoid. And the, and I have them categorized by hits, reaches, and wraps. Um, and obviously reaches are the easiest wraps are the middle and then hits are the hardest. And there's obviously combinations of the two, but, um, I also track it by the type of person delivering the hit. Is it a lineman? Is it a linebacker? Or is it a defensive back? And certainly, you know, you look at Javonta Williams, you look at Najee Harris, you know, any of the backs who played in the ACC or SEC or Big 12, and in the 8 to 12 games that I tracked with each of these guys, they all encountered some sort of hit from a defensive lineman at some point. I Trey Sermon was the only back I saw who didn't take a hit from a from a defensive lineman in the sample that I tracked. Um, but he also was one of the highest in breaking wraps and bouncing off hits, um, which which tells you a lot about his contact balance, also about his vision. He just gets it. He can run most of the – he can run the schemes that the NFL are going to ask from him. And from what I'm hearing, and of course it may be just a lot of pre-draft chatter, just like the Mac Jones and all that kind of stuff, is that there are a number of scouts – that we're kind of saying, listen, this is a guy that we think could be the best back in this class within the next two to three years. And I just think that teams just don't, you know, they look at production and they feel it's important to draft guys early. He's going to be a steal for somebody. To follow up on the running backs here, Matt, and I just want to say really quick, thank you so much for writing what you did about Zach Wilson because I've never like seen or heard Felix cry. I am a massive Justin Fields guy, and the day that he read that, he called me and Austin, who is our other co-host on one of our podcasts, and he was he was in shambles. So I appreciate you just for that. That alone I feel like I've, I I feel like I have to buy like Felix a drink or something when I meet him. Just as you're like gonna an have to because for, he for that. He is a man of conviction, and I have never seen him waver so much after reading that. He was like, I don't even know what to do anymore. So it was it was a glorious afternoon, though, when that happened. That being said, I, I, you love Trey Sermon, which I, I love him. He was phenomenal. I, I, hate, I wish you could have gotten a full season with the Buckeyes. I think he would have shown more and more how good he really is. 
We've seen those three top guys go off the board for most people. Most people have it, Najee, Javante, and ETN. Which one do you think landed in the best spot for you and that you would draft highest in fantasy this year? Probably Javante. I mean, I know that Melvin Gordon is, you know, is Melvin Gordon still with the team now after all that? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> or was he gone before? I've been kind of in the shell. But, uh, you know, from once I start looking at all the, you know, all the depth charts there, I would have to say long-term Javante is the best option. Najee's the the best option to this year, even though the offensive line in Pittsburgh, suppose, you know, needs a little bit of help, they say. I think that... um while they do, I think you've got to look at Harris and probably say he's going to get the most volume right away. Um, Williams could be the guy who's a surprise. I'm sitting here watching that the, that the Buccaneers drafted Kyle Trask, which tells me that they're still going to no be way. seeking. Yeah, they're still going to be seeking free agent about. quarterbacks down the line here. I mean, so uh, that's interesting. But um, but yeah, when you look at a guy like Harris, I mean, he's you know, with the way this team is built, I, I think that, yeah, he's probably the the safest bet in terms of volume, but the guy with the most upside right now absolutely is Williams, you, you know, probably by year's end. He could be the guy with the most upside. And then Etienne, I think everyone's scratching their head about where he went in Jacksonville. That's a That's interesting because I think James Robinson is a better back than he is right now. And and used and they they called him a third down back. I feel like that we're watching Urban Meyer slowly descend into like Steve Spurrier mode with Washington. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt, I want to ask you a question. About, well, uh, Matt, I want to ask you a question about the tight ends. But Jarek, if you're, I want to, Jarek, if you could give us your thoughts, we'll filibuster. If you could give us your thoughts on Trey Sermon specifically, and, and Jarek is our analytics guy, but, but specifically considering that he was a transfer and split time, I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are um, and then where he is on Jarek's magic analytics line. Um, <laughs> Matt, uh, we've seen we've seen Kyle Pitts obviously go off the board, and I believe that he is your I – don't, I don't know if it's he or Chase is your highest-rated player. Um, uh, Chase, but it's close. Okay, it's fun, okay. Yeah. And then uh, we saw Pat Fryerbooth go off the board. You know, I, I feel like the perception is is that this tight end class is really strong. You still got Brevin Jordan, Tommy Tremble, Hunter Long. Uh, do you do you agree? Do you do you see some dynamic playmakers uh, still on the board with those three, or is there someone that I'm leaving out? No, I think Brevin Jordan is an is a nice pickup if you are a, if you still believe in Irv Smith and what he could eventually do this year then Brevin Jordan gives you a lot of similarities to Irv Smith because he's a he's a nice blocker and he's someone that, you know, in terms of technique, maybe not his size, but his technique goes a long way. And he's someone that certainly can stretch the field well enough when you're talking about working up the seam and working across the middle. Um, you know, Long, I think, is a workman-like starter, but I think he's got a little more speed than people realize. And you can use him and play action and get value out of him on you know with a number of teams and he's he's a guy that should develop into a reasonable starter i don't know if he'll ever be like if you're looking from a fantasy football angle whether he'll ever be like a a top tight end but i think he can be a usable guy who's going to be maybe the third or fourth option in an offense um in his good in his best years as a receiver and Tremble certainly has all the upside you're looking for in terms of how he catches the ball and his athletic ability, how he hits the field. I would say, 
you know, you a little bit later on, there's a lot of intriguing guys like Noah Gray out of Duke, who I think is a lot faster than people realize and is very good as a route runner. He might, I think he's a little bit underrated. I think there's some guys who we might look at like the tight end out of Iowa. I'm trying to remember his name, Byer. Um, Sean Byer, who is a former receiver who has a great catch radius. Pro Wells has kind of that basketball player rebounder mentality and skill set out of TCU, but has a lot more to learn from that perspective um, to, to play on, you know, play tight end on a regular basis. But there are a few guys like that in this class, even like, you know, I think that's enough for not Bates out of Boise state is an interesting player too, but more from a, more from a standpoint of both blocking and short area receiving. Before we get to the questions, we we I didn't realize we had some questions from the audience about your process. But before I heard you actually talk about your process, so I'm no, not particularly interested in those questions. But um, I do want to know, Matt, um, uh, are there are there a couple of players? I think in every draft class, you know, analysts uh, have players that they just fall in love with. Are there any players um, either taken or that haven't been taken? yet uh, uh, that 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 you are really intrigued by? Sleepers or just any players that you really like in this class? Sure. Um, I would say Dwayne Eskridge. I mean, I'm kind of a Seahawks fan for the NFC when it comes to the NFC. So I like the Eskridge pick um, mainly because it gives him a little bit more versatility. And I just like him. I've called him a little punk, and I say it in a very endearing way because of the way he blocks. He's someone that just is – he has a real psychological mastery of how to get under his defender's skin. And, and he, and he's someone that will play really hard and then just let off at the moment where you think he's going to go over the line. And then he ends up making the defender, the defender go over the line, but he can also block well. So he can, he's, he kind of instigates and then starts playing within the bounds. And of course, you know, I love what he does with the ball in his hand and with the speed he has Pat Fryermuth, I'm a big Pat Fryermuth fan. So him going to Pittsburgh, I mean, I, people call him, you know, baby Gronk. I call him Rob Slokowski based on what a Twitter <laughs> guy told me. And I say that it also with a, you know, he may not, he's fluid like Rob Gronkowski. He catches extremely well. He's tough. I love his blocking. And I think that he's a good fit for Pittsburgh. And considering Pittsburgh, you know, I know that he got, they, there was some criticism from the big network basically saying, well, they haven't they haven't picked any linemen yet. You know, they're getting there, but they haven't picked any linemen. I'm thinking, well, maybe they don't like the linemen who are available now after all the good ones were gone that they felt they felt strong about and decided let's get a tight end who can block very well. I know they said that they had some and some people had issues with that, but I thought I think he's one of the three to four best blocking tight ends in this class. Um, not in this class, in the past five years, actually. I put him up there with Howard and TJ Hawkinson in terms of blocking ability. So I'm a big fan. And some of my, you know, my cohorts at the football guys said they reminded them of Heath Miller and you can, you know, listen, I, yeah. I get he it. Goes to, the, I, to, to the Steelers. Exactly. I totally get it. So there's that Rondale Moore in, in Arizona was fun. Like to me, that's like getting it right after you went with dance fever, Andy Isabella, which was like, so I was going to say, is he the what we wanted Andy Isabella to always be? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Because Andy Isabella was one of those guys that, and Andy Isabella came from my hometown in Ohio. Like when I first grew up, when I was first growing up in Ohio, so I kind of wish that things would work out for him. But he's a guy who, 
you watch him at the senior bowl and in, and in practices Ooh. And he's the type of guy that makes a lot of oh, the Vikings pick Kellen Mond. Wow. Yeah, that's this is, another head scratcher. Finish, finish about. Um... Yeah, but but here's the thing, you know, the with more more is much more efficient with his footwork than Isabella ever was, and people got really intrigued by Isabella's speed, but they didn't realize how inefficient he is as a route runner. And more mm-hmm. is a more efficient route runner. Um, I don't think he's the next Steve Smith or Calvin Johnson in a small body that I've heard some of the comps to, but he's certainly a dynamic slot receiver who's going to be very hard to stop there. Well, and they're going to use they use the slot, uh, you know, running four wide. There's probably two slots often in that offense, and that's going to be real fun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm. This is the, interesting. The quarterback picks are just. You know, honestly, these the two guys they picked are like two of my worst ranked quarterbacks on the board. Um, so it's like I would have rather seen Davis Mills. I would have, you know, I and and then after that, I would have waited till about day three, like mid to late day three to even consider any of those guys. And they could have upgraded. I just think they could have gotten much more of an upgrade. And Kirk Cousins, his job is safe. I mean, he's got time too, right? I mean, he's got years left. His job's safe now for sure. I mean, like if they had picked like Dave, Kellen, if they picked like Davis Mills here, I would have been better about that. And I get there's potential there with Mond. and and Matt, you missed it. Davis Mills went to the Texans. Oh, he did go to the Texans? Oh, 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 I like that pick. I like that pick. Thank you. I like that pick a lot because he's a guy that – you know, you can sit for a year or two if you need to, though he may not <laughs> he may be able, able this to, year. unfortunately. But, you know, if if they need him this year, he's a guy that that might be a little bit of a rush job, but he's someone that in a year or two, if he can survive that, and he's a tough dude, he, you know, think of another Stanford quarterback who kind of got beaten down by pressure but was a promising guy in like the third round in his draft, and that was Trent Edwards way back in the day. And I think that before he got lit up by Adrian Wilson and kind of lost his confidence with, you know, dealing with pressure, he had some moments where you could see him about to turn the corner. And Mills might be that guy. Uh, So, Matt Woman, I just uh, got one last question for you here before we'll let you hop off. But um, before I ask it, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Uh, You you know, I... I have to credit pretty much all of my scouting ability to you. Like, you know, for I've gotten the RSP for the last four or five years. Um, you know, I've watched every video that you put up online. I refresh that daily. Um, you know, I, I love your takes on, on players and I love well, the way you break down film. Thank you for being one of the three people who are like steady viewers. I do appreciate that a lot. I do. Oh, no, I mean, you, I mean, I know you have a huge audience here. So, I, like I said, I just wanted to express, you know, how how much I appreciate the way you break down film for for just people who have a zero football background like I do. Um, appreciate. So, it. yeah, I just I just wanted to ask your thoughts on uh, Rashad Bateman because I know he was a big a guy you were a big fan of. Um, I know you had him. I believe what wide receiver three. Um, and then, you know, he goes to Baltimore, which I think I was, you know, checking your tweets. You said you weren't a huge fan of at first, but you're warming up to. Um, so I was just was curious on your thoughts on that one. Yeah, man. The first time when on the show last night, I literally, I literally yelled, I hate this pick. And then, and then with a little bit more thought, I realized that 
Devin Duvernay is, I really like Duvernay, but he's someone that isn't the route runner that Bateman is. He's also not, he doesn't have quite the catch radius and the ability to work across the middle against tough, um, you know, coverage looks that Bateman has shown. And then you look at Miles Boykin, who I also liked, um, but is a guy who is really his best traits fit for a, a type of game that Lamar Jackson doesn't really do, which is that 15 to 40 yards at the boundary in between the deep range and the short range where that puts defenses in a bind with the power throws on the outside. He's not a power throw. Ian Deshaun Watson are great quarterbacks. They're just, they're just not traditional with, you know, from what we've seen in the past with the, with the pocket quarterbacks who have to throw the deep out. You have to throw the deep out to win, you know, and that's not Lamar's game. He wins other ways. And, and he, he's great in the pocket and throws great over the middle. Well, you know, Rashad Bateman is great over the middle. And at first I thought of him as a Michael, Thomas, Keenan Allen type of player until you saw the weight loss, you know, based on what happened with COVID. And I still see him as kind of a CD lamb talent who might be able to tie that depth chart together a bit. So I'm starting to think, you know, I don't know where I'm going to have him just yet. That's going to give me a couple of days to think about, but I'm starting to think, okay, maybe he's, maybe they looked at Duvernay. Maybe they looked at, at Boykin and they're like, they just don't fit what we do. We need someone who fits what we do and who can do all these things in one player. And they certainly don't have that Marquise Brown either. So I, I think Bateman gives you, it's like take consolidating the depth chart of guys that they picked the past two years and they're hoping the third time's the charm. Go to mattwaldmanrsp.com. Matt was so gracious to uh, to join us. He's he's working. He's updating the RSP. I'm guessing that you're doing that right now because you're re releasing the post draft version of the RSP. Um, it was you know a dream for all of us. Campuscan.com is a a new a new uh, website. We just started in March. I you know and obviously you heard Collins' words and and obviously I've been a fan of yours for a long time. We all are, um, but we just appreciate you saying yes and, and joining us this evening. Man, it's a pleasure. And anytime you guys want me back on, you let me know. I would love to do this. And anybody who's doing like Devi work, like you guys do, you know, that's great. And then I get to, I get to see that, you know, what you guys are looking at with players and get a chance to know who I need to start watching for the next year. So, so I appreciate it very much. And um, it was an honor. Matt Waldman, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate Thanks, it so fellas. much. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Matt. Take care.